I know that many of you are aware of the Rocky Mountain Laboratories here in Hamilton. It's a research facility that's part of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and uh, employs around 450 people. During my time at RML, I got interested in the history of the laboratory. And uh, I'm gonna talk today about the yellow fever vaccine production that was going on during World War II. But before I do that, I wanted to just give you a kind of a brief background of the laboratory and explain how and why a research facility like this came to be built in Hamilton, Montana. Settlers started building homesteads in the Bitterroot Valley in the second half of the 19th century. And by 1900, the valley supported a population of several thousand. But residents were plagued with a deadly disease that appeared each spring. Locally, it was called the black measles because of its uh, severe dark rash. And it was fatal in nearly seven out of 10 cases. Valley residents appealed to the state governor for help. And shortly after the Montana State Board of Health was established in 1901, it brought health scientists to the Bitterroot Valley to investigate this mysterious ailment and see what could be done to control it. The disease is Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever and it is transmitted by the bite of the wood tick. The early laboratory facilities that investigators used to study spotted fever were makeshift at best. Tents, uh, rented cabins, and an abandoned schoolhouse. One of the uh, early investigators was Dr. Howard Ricketts from the University of Chicago. Ricketts was the one who discovered the bacteria that caused the disease and established that it was the wood tick that transmitted the infection. This slide shows Dr. Ricketts' tents set up in the uh, Northern Pacific Railroad Hospital yard in 1906. These tents served as his research laboratory. This next slide shows a cabin that was rented on uh, Sweeney Creek up by Florence for the summer of 1910. This area had been a, a hotbed of infection in previous years and it seemed like a likely area to uh, collect samples and conduct research. And then believe it or not, on the right-hand panel, there's a, uh, a wood shed that was used by Dr. Parker during, during the summer of uh, 1920 uh, to conduct his research. Finally, in 1921, the Public Health Service re rented uh, this abandoned schoolhouse and uh, used it to continue the research. It was in this building in 1924 that Dr. Parker and Dr. Spencer developed the first effective vaccine against spotted fever. But the rent on this building went up exorbitantly every year. Difficulty in finding adequate facilities to uh, continue this research at a reasonable price uh, prompted the Montana State Board of Entomology to ask the legislature for funds to build a modern entomological laboratory in Hamilton. The legislature funded, uh, appropriated $60,000 and the first building was completed in 1928 
on attractive land at the south edge of Hamilton. Uh, in 1932, the federal government purchased the facility from the state, and uh, at that time, the lab consisted of one building and a staff of 26. Uh, by 1940, the lab had grown to seven buildings and a staff of 107, and its work had expanded to, increase, to uh, investigate a number of infectious diseases. What is not well known is that uh, during World War II, RML became a national vaccine factory, producing vaccines to protect American soldiers and sailors from typhus, yellow or spotted fever, and yellow fever. And the story of how yellow fever vaccine production came to RML and its importance to the armed forces is a uh, an interesting chapter in the laboratory's history, and I think an interesting chapter uh, in Montana's history as well. Yellow fever, a hemorrhagic fever, arose out of, of Africa, but it has repeatedly brought suffering and human tragedy to the New World. Transported to the West by slave ships, it came to be known as the American Plague, because for 200 years, yellow fever was the most dreaded disease in North America. The virus is transmitted by the bite of a particular mosquito, uh, Aedes aegypti, or commonly called the striped house mosquito. Symptoms begin three to six days after the bite of an infected insect and begin with chills and a severe headache. Pain grows intense in the arms, legs, and back, and body temperature might rise to 104 degrees. After a few days, the symptoms usually abate, the fever declines, and most patients recover. But sometimes, the fever rises again. As the virus attacks the liver and destroys the clotting mechanism, bleeding might occur from the mouth, nose, and eyes. Liver damage causes the skin and the whites of the eyes to turn yellow with jaundice. And uh, as the liver, kidneys, and heart continue to deteriorate, the victim falls into a state of delirium, suffers convulsions, and becomes incontinent. This is followed by rapid wasting, coma, and death. During the 18th and 19th centuries, recurring epidemics of yellow fever ravaged seaport cities and large areas of southern uh, North America. In, in 1793, Philadelphia, excuse me, Philadelphia had a population of about 50,000. When it became apparent that a yellow fever epidemic was on the city, about an estimated 17,000 people fled north to save their lives. Of the remaining 33,000, one in seven perished. This next slide 
shows a monument to victims of a yellow fever epidemic in Shreveport, Louisiana in 1873, where apparently almost all of the 759 victims were buried in a single mass grave. Now, yellow fever continued to ravage cities along the eastern seaboard and in the south. And after uh, repeated outbreaks, it again emerged with a vengeance in Memphis in, 17, in uh, 1878. Again, uh, fear led to mass, uh, mass exodus and uh, the population of 47,000 was reduced to 19,000. Of those who remained, 17,000 developed yellow fever. The official death count from the disease that summer in Memphis was 5,150. Uh, the most recent outbreak of yellow fever in the United States occurred in 1905 and killed more than 450 people in New Orleans. A U.S. Public Health Service anti-mosquito campaign and the development of sanitary waste disposal systems uh, have, for the time being, eradicated the d disease from North America. Today, uh, yellow fever strikes as many as 200,000 people each year in tropical areas of Africa and South America, resulting in about 30,000 deaths. In 1901, when John D. Rockefeller established the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research, yellow fever was high on the list of deadly diseases to be studied and developing a vaccine was a priority. The Institute set up one research laboratory in Brazil and another in Nigeria, two countries where the disease was endemic. Research continued for the next three and a half decades, and a number of preliminary vaccines were developed, but each had their own problems. Some had serious side effects, and none were suitable for large-scale yellow fever vaccine production. But during this period, two major uh, developments occurred in the laboratory that made yellow fever uh, vaccine large-scale production feasible. First, Dr. Ernest Goodpasture at Vanderbilt University uh, demonstrated that virus could be readily grown in large quantity in embryonated, uh, that is, fertile chicken eggs. And second, Dr. Max Tyler and his colleagues at Rockefeller developed a, a strain of the yellow fever virus that was much better suited for producing a vaccine, the so-called 17D strain. Through laboratory manipulation, it was weakened to the point where it caused only very mild yellow fever in those vaccinated, but it prompted the immune system to develop antibodies that would provide immunity against a virulent strain of the virus. Max Tyler was awarded the Nobel Prize for this work. So the confluence of these two developments set the stage for large-scale yellow fever vaccine production. 
and this was a very timely <coughs> and very important uh, event for a number of reasons. First of all, uh, the Public Health Service was worried that yellow fever could be reintroduced into the United States. The southern states had a heavy population of the striped house mosquito, and air traffic from South America was increasing in the late 1930s. Since the flight time was far shorter than the incubation period, the worry was that people would arrive who were infected but not yet showing symptoms and thereby avoid quarantine. Then those people might be in, uh, bitten by a striped house mosquito. The mosquito would acquire the infection and then spread it to others as it continued to feed. Other mosquitoes would bite the newly infected and uh, continue to spread as they fed on others. This uh, biological chain reaction could lead to an epidemic. Uh, secondly, by 1939, it seemed likely that the United States would be involved in, in World War II, and that meant sending American troops to areas around the world where yellow fever was endemic. And uh, a third and more sinister possibility loomed that of yellow fever being used as a weapon of biological warfare against America. In 1939, uh, the intelligence community became aware of multiple attempts by Japanese agents to obtain virulent strains of the yellow fever virus. Strategic American military bases in the Hawaiian Islands and in Panama were quite susceptible to the introduction of yellow fever, as were broad areas of the mainland United States. Now, Rockefeller, the Rockefeller Institute had agreed to supply vaccine to the military. And uh, after the attack on Pearl Harbor, it was mandated that all US service personnel would be vaccinated. And over the course of the war, that meant Rockefeller would be producing and supplying about 16 million doses. Recognizing the inherent vulnerability of a single vaccine production facility, the federal government decided to establish one of its own. Uh, in the late summer of, 19, of uh, 1940, the director of the National Institute of Health got in touch with Dr. Mason Hargett, a tropical disease physician, and instructed him to travel to Hamilton, Montana, and check out the laboratory there as a possible site to establish a vaccine production unit. Hargett had spent 13 months at the Brazilian yellow fever laboratory, learning what it would take to uh, set up a facility capable of producing a vaccine. After visiting RML, there were two things that made Hargett feel this would be an ideal place for vaccine production. First of all, the scientific infrastructure was already in place. And second, should the yellow fever virus be accidentally released, there would be no danger of a spread 
because no yellow fever transmitting mosquitoes live in Montana. Now, since Rockefeller had, had agreed to supply vaccine to the military, initially it was thought that the RML unit would remain small, producing only what was needed by the public health service for civilian use. Vaccine production began in February of 1941. RML obtained a quantity of the 17D seed virus from the Rockefeller Institute. Fertile chicken eggs uh, purchased from local poultry producers was used to grow more of the 17D virus. <clears throat> the eggs were placed in an incubator for, at, with, that had an automatic rotating device that rotated them every four hours. After seven days of incubation, the eggs were removed, a tiny hole punched in the top, and the virus was injected into the embryo with a tiny syringe. The hole was then resealed with a mixture of beeswax and paraffin and uh, returned to the incubator. After an additional four days of incubation, the eggs were removed, the tops, ah, yes, this is Dr. Hartnett and his co-worker, Harry Burris. Uh, Burris had also uh, spent 10 years working at the Rockefeller Institute's uh, laboratories in both Nigeria and, uh, and, and Brazil. So, uh, once the eggs uh, were removed, the tops were cut off of the shell uh, with an oxyacetylene torch that was specifically designed for that purpose. Then the, egg, the embryos were lifted with uh, sterile forceps and placed into a blender with human blood serum and homogenized. Uh, next, uh, the material was centrifuged to remove solid particles and the remaining liquid was the vaccine. It was then portioned into glass ampules and frozen to a minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit in a mixture of alcohol and dry ice. Finally, the moisture was removed with a powerful vacuum device called a desiccator. That left the vaccine as a freeze-dried product that would be rehydrated with saline solution just before it was used. Now, uh, the first batch of vaccine produced at RML was identical in preparation to that used by the Rockefeller Institute. The weakened strain of yellow fever virus was grown in eggs, mixed with uh, human blood serum, and homogenized. The serum was added to provide protein that maintained the potency of the vaccine. But because the Institute used the human serum component, its formulation was vulnerable to the possible introduction of human blood contaminants. Aware of this potentially lethal flaw, as soon as the production facility was set up at RML, 
Hargett and Burris began working on alternatives to the serum-based vaccine. Within a year, a tragic turn of events proved their foresight to be invaluable. Between January of 1941 and February 1942, the Rockefeller Institute had distributed about five and a half million doses of vaccine to the Army and Navy. Uh, military bases across the country were engaged in a massive immunization campaign. And then in the spring of 1942, a large number of troops who had received the Rockefeller vaccine began experiencing chills, fever, jaundice, uh, nausea, and, and stomach <coughs> pains. Unknowingly, the Institute had shipped several lots of vaccine that had become contaminated with what was later identified as the hepatitis B virus. Before the problem was recognized, over 350,000 soldiers re received the contaminated vaccine. For most of those <clears throat> who were infected, symptoms were not severe and treatment was not required. But 50,000 soldiers had to be hospitalized and nearly 100 died. By the summer of 1941, Hargett and Burris had perfected an alternative to the serum-based vaccine, which they called aqueous base. Their new formulation contained no human serum, but Hargett had calculated that there was enough protein in the chick embryos to provide stability to the, to the vaccine. Uh, the first testing of the vaccine was done on personnel at RML and volunteers from Hamilton. Uh, 137 people were vaccinated and three weeks later their blood was collected and examined. Every sample showed antibodies that would protect from the yellow fever virus. Uh, after the Rockefeller tragedy, RML was ordered to gear up production and supply serum-free vaccine to the military. Uh, resources and equipment were rushed to Hamilton so that production could be uh, geared up to meet the demand. 51 persons, mostly young local men and women, uh, worked in various aspects of the operation. 20 rooms in the laboratory were devoted to producing and, and testing the vaccine. After May of 1942, all of the yellow fever vaccine supplied to the military was the aqueous base type produced in Hamilton. By July of 1942, with additional personnel and equipment in place, RML was ready to play an important role in the war effort. Large-scale production was underway, and the laboratory was producing about 400,000 doses of vaccine a month. A batch of vaccine took six to eight weeks to prepare, beginning with egg incubation and ending with sterility and potency testing. A James Way egg incubator 
was installed with a capacity to hold 8,100 eggs. About 750 uh, fresh eggs were added to the incubator each day as the same number had completed their 11-day incubation and were removed. The operation required an enormous quantity of eggs, and local poultry producers uh, stepped up to, uh, to provide the enormous quantity that was needed. Uh, Sam Downing on the left and uh, Henry Grant on the right there, uh, both from families who had homesteaded the Bitterroot Valley in the 18, uh, 1880s, uh, coordinated with three other local poultry producers and assembled a flock of 4,000 laying hens. Uh, Downing contracted with the laboratory to supply 2,600 dozen eggs a month. Uh, during uh, 1943, 2.4 million doses of vaccine were produced at the lab. By the time the Japanese surrendered in August of 1945, nearly 10 million doses of yellow fever vaccine had been distributed. Now, when the war ended, of course, the demand for vaccine fell precipitously, as did also production. In 1946, there was an urgent need abroad for those who had expertise in tropical medicine. Dr. Hargett was detailed to the U.S. Army and spent several months as the Army's chief quarantine officer in Japan. Uh, the Japanese were bringing back millions of people from overseas, Java, Sumatra, China, Mongolia, where they had been sent during the war. Hargett's job was to establish quarantine camps to uh, try to stop the spread of disease, particularly cholera and typhus. Uh, when uh, Hargett departed, Harry Burris took charge of the vaccine production at RML. The unit stayed in operation in Hamilton until the fall of 1952, when production was transferred to the private sector, the National Drug Company in Swiftwater, Pennsylvania. And, uh, and uh, from then on, production has stayed in the private sector. So. If uh, you were interested in this story, uh, I wasn't able to provide a lot of detail here today, but you might look back to the winter 2012 issue of Montana, the magazine of Western history. Uh, in that article, uh, I was able to provide a far more detailed accounting of the events. Thank you. Thank you.